0: Wonderful. Yeah, you are well. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. With a clap offering, I just want you to help me as we welcome our Father to the podium. Oh, you can do it better. You can do it better. You can do it better. Amen.
1: Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this precious night. We have come once again to be blessed by your Spirit. We ask that, Lord, you open our understanding and you give us revelation in the name of Jesus. Speak to us, Master. Open our eyes to see wondrous things out of the law. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. You may be seated. Well, um, it's been a while since we came to teaching service. We went through 21 days fasting and that uh, became the stormy block to Our teaching service for 21 days. Last week by the grace of God I was unable to come because I had an appointment. So this evening I'm here and I'll be speaking to you on a a subject that I have entitled Your Standing Point. your standing point, where you are standing. It matters in the spirit. Your standing point is very important. Human beings are designed to look at outward things. So, Jesus spoke to Samuel, uh, the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, man, look at the outward, but God looks into the heart. So your greatest concern as a believer, as far as your standing point is concerned, should not be about how men sees you and uh, how men praises you, but it should be how you stand before God. So tonight we'll be looking at your, our standing point. Before God. How does God see us? Praise God. Amen. Exodus chapter 3 from verse 1 to verse 5. The book of Exodus chapter 3 from verse 1 to verse 5. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flocks to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Hebron. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in the flames of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush bent with fire And the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not bent. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not na ina. Don't come further. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Okay. Anybody that comes must immediately occupy. I don't want scattered. Scattered audience. Once you come, you occupy the seats. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you here with me? Now, when you look at this story carefully, it's a story about Moses, a young man who has a destiny, whose destiny was prophesied before he was born. And those of you, some of us here, represented here, you may not even know what the future holds for you. The reason is because one's destiny is not written on the forehead. When people look at your face, they will not be able to see your future until God reveals to them because it is not visible. David was a man who was destined before he was born as a deliverer of God's people from Egypt. But he went through a lot of things. In the process, he ended up at the backside of the desert. And while he was there, he had forgotten about his calling because sometimes life can throw you behind the <laughs> desert. And you can, you can just decide, you can just make up your mind that enough. I have enough. So you just put yourself on autopilot auto because you know, I have done my best and my best was not enough. So that's all. And sometimes that's how life can treat you. But then you see when God has a destiny for a man the only person that aborts that destiny is that man. No devil can abort God's destiny for your life. You are the one that can abort God's destiny for you. And that's the reason why my people perish for lack of knowledge. If you don't have knowledge, you perish. The destiny that God designed for you is intact. No human being can destroy your destiny. You are the only one who can destroy your own destiny. So, Moses was going about tending his father, father-in-law's sheep. He had forgotten that it has been 40 years. 40 years. And that is the reason why when you are dealing with God, you don't throw in the towel until God tells you he's through with you. The reason why God, you must be patient with God is because God is a spirit. He's not a human being. He don't get tired. He doesn't forget about things. God lives in eternity. He doesn't live in time. We are human beings and we live in time. But God lives in eternity. So God has It's not bound with time. And that is the reason why the greatest mistake you can make is when you get tired. You don't get tired when you are dealing with God because God doesn't get tired. He lives in eternity. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't forget about his promises. But see, as human beings, sometimes we get weary and then we forget about all that God told us. So even though Moses has been thrown out He was chased out of the palace. That would have been a short, a short way for fulfillment of his destiny. Because that was where actually he was born to fulfill his destiny. But he was chased out. And for 40 years he was in the wilderness. And then when the time was getting closer, God has been observing him to come to a certain point in his work with him. And sometimes, God has been waiting patiently for some of us. Has been waiting patiently for some of us. To come to a certain point in our life where divine destiny will be activated. So, all this while Moses was going up and down, the Lord has been observing him. Until one day, he found himself at a place called Hebron, the mountain of God one day life and the Holy Ghost will lead you to the mountain of God. You will go through life struggling and then you realize you are right at the center of the mountain of God. So he found himself on the mountain of God and then the Bible said he saw a bush that was burning. A bush but there was no smoke. What we are used to is that anytime you see fire, you must see smoke. But here it was fire, and yet there was no smoke. And that was a unique sight because you haven't seen that before. If God really wants your attention, you know what to do. If God really wants your attention, some of you, you are so much distracted that one day God will get your attention by all means. God knows what to do. It is your distraction that have delayed divine purpose in your life. Your distraction. Jesus said to Martha, look, you are careful about many things, but in this life, one thing, it's only one thing that matters, and Mary has found it. So many distractions. I want that. I want this. I want that. I want that. And because of that, we have lost focus on our assignment that God has called us to. But see when the time comes for fulfillment, the Lord will, will get your attention. He knows how to get your attention whether by 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 foul or by fair. Whether God whether some people's attention are gotten when they found themselves in prison. Oh yes, God knows how to get your attention. If you don't want it the easy way, he will will give it to you in a hard way. So to get it easy, you need to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. You need to learn to be sensitive to the Spirit of God so that you will be right at the place that God wants you to be at the right time. The Holy Ghost was navigating his course until he found himself on the mountain of God. And when Moses came to the mountain of God, Then God said to him, God said to himself, this guy, I've been been observing him, I've been guiding him, I've been waiting all this while to get him to a certain standpoint. Because it is your standpoint that determines your viewpoint. You need to be at a particular place to be able to see a particular thing. Where you are determines how you see So you may not be able to see clearly until you are at a particular place. And that is where God is trying to bring all his children, especially children of destiny. He wants you to bring you at a particular place. So when Moses got to the mountain, the holy mountain, he attracted him by the burning bush. And then when Moses saw the burning bush, he said, this is strange. I have not seen such a sight before. Let me take a step and go further. And he start, as he started making progress to where the bush was, he heard a voice from heaven that says, do not come further. Now where you are is a holy ground. Remove your sandals. Everybody say holy ground. Say it again. Say, say it again. Say it aloud. When you get to the holy ground, what do you do? You remove your sandals. You cannot. I've preached a message like that here before. You cannot walk on a holy ground with a filth. The sandals represent filth, uncleanness. There is a place God wants you, and when you get there, He will not expect you to still wear your sandals. Hello. As you sit here now, you don't know who you are. But I can tell you who you are. Some of you are great people. Great destinies. Great callings. Great people, great destiny, great callings. But you see, until you remove your sanders, you cannot stand in the holy place. And you cannot hear what God have to say to you. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. When you arrive at your standpoint, there is a price to pay. Your standpoint is ordinary until your appointed time. I know this is a, I'm saying it looks too deep. Some of you will be confused. I, but you don't worry, listen to me. Your standpoint is what? Ordinary until your appointed time. Moses has been going to that bush with, the, with the, the sheep and the cattle every day. But it looks normal. Nothing happened. No, no unusual sin. Until the appointed time with divinity. Then the standpoint changed and it became the holy ground. When the time of appointment comes, God will not expect you to continue to live an unclean life. When the time of appointment, divine appointment with you comes, God will not expect you to still mingle with the crowd. Are you with me? Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes, according to Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 2, there are great people who look ordinary because the appointed time has not come. They look ordinary. Like Moses, look ordinary. Even the father-in-law did not even know who he was. So he saw him as just a shepherd tender my shape for me. He didn't even know he was a great man until his appointed time. Now in Galatians chapter 4 verse 1 the Bible says, now I say that the hair, everyone say the hair. Say it again. Put your hand on your chest and I'm a hair. Say it again. Who is a hair? Who can tell me who a hair is? A heir is somebody who has been appointed for an estate. To inherit an estate. Appointed to inherit an estate. Now the Bible said as as long as he is a child as long as he is a child different nothing from a servant though he be lord of all. How do we treat servants? We don't treat servants with dignity. We don't respect servants. Everywhere, servants are not... Servants are the most disrespectful people. People that are not honored. Servants are the most more treated people in society. But you see, a hair, as long as it's a child, can be treated as a servant. It's not different. In fact, you can't tell the difference between. I was, some time ago, I told you that the cock and the hen. Eh? Are you with me? The cock and the hen, when they are both chickens, you can't tell the difference. Is it true of us? Until they start growing up when they start growing up, their features changes. It is time that determines the difference. It is moments of maturity that brings out your potential. So don't worry about how people treat you because as long as you have not attained the level of maturity, you'll be treated like a slave. So, they differ not. They are treated like, they differ not from slaves. You can't tell between them when they are working together. You can't tell between them. Even an eagle, an eaglet, and fowls, when they are all chicks, you can't even tell the difference. Until time. One can fly, and the other cannot fly for a long time. But they look together the same before the appointed time. And that is the reason why we henceforth we know no man after the flesh. You need to see your brother, your sister from a different perspective, from a discerning point of view, to know who they are. But I'm going to teach I'm teaching you something. So here is Moses who have come to that point. So the Bible says, but it's under tutors and governance until the time. Everybody was the time. Everybody say time. time appointed of the father. So there is an appointed time. For your manifestation there is an appointed time for your manifestation raise your right hand up say i will not remain this forever say i will not remain this forever i will not remain this way forever Your appointed time is a season for your manifestation. But as long as you remain a child, as long as you are not growing, as long as you haven't attained the age of maturity, you'll be treated. Demons crack can be your governors. Some of you here, if I ask you to tell me your experience, attacks upon attacks. They are your governors, your tutors. As long as you haven't attained the level of maturity where your estate can be handed over to you, you remain under tutors and governors. But what do I do as I wait for my appointed time? Remove your sanders. Take the field out. That is a price to pay. You must discern your purpose and must begin to pay the price for your manifestation. Moses had waited for 40 years. Remember? He left Egypt when he was 40 years and before God met him and when God met him now, he's now 40 years. So, 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness. Now, he has attained the age of maturity. He has grown into his destiny. It is time for the appointment with divinity. But God said, there is last price to pay. Remove your sandals. The removing of the sandals is the reason why many have not yet fulfilled their assignments. if you choose not to pay the price of sanctification, holiness, you are not ready to move to the next level of your calling. It is going to be a tough price, but you must pay it to cross over to the next level of your life. You have lived all this long because you are a child. Hey, one of the things that is synonymous to a child is filth. Three of us. No matter how you polish your child, leave him. Next time when he goes out, next time you come back. Everything you put sun on, you have buffed him, but he will buff himself with sun again. That's filth. Children are synonymous to filth. But then there is a time of maturity where God expects you to remove your sanders. Why? Because you are now standing on a holy ground. What is the holy ground? Your assignment. You are the threshold of your calling. You cannot continue to wear your sandals. Praise the name of the Lord. Now in Psalm 23 verse 3 to 6 Sorry, Psalm 24 verse 3 to 6 The Bible said, who will ascend? To the hills of God. Who shall ascend unto the hills of the Lord? Who shall ascend? Who remember you are in a journey? You came from somewhere, but then you are going somewhere. But who? Who qualifies to be there? Who qualifies into divine assignment? Who qualified to be used of God? Who qualified to fulfill destiny? Who shall ascend? Everyone say, who shall, who shall ascend? Unto the heel of the Lord. The heel of the Lord. Who shall ascend to the heel of God? All who shall stand. You see the word stand? So that's what we are looking at. Your standpoint. Who will, as- who will stand in his holy place? Who? How many of you want to ascend to the heels of God? You want to stand in the holy place? What is the holy place? Say my ministry. Say my assignment. Your assignment is the holy place. But who shall ascend the hills of God and who shall stand in the holy place? Verse 4. He who he that had what? Clean hands and a pure heart. Who had not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Clean heart, pure heart. Clean heart, pure hands. Clean heart, pure hands. Clean heart, pure hands. Clean heart, pure hands. You want God to use you? Clean heart, pure hands. (laughs) Some of you say, Lord, fill me. Oh, Lord, fill me. And then the Holy Ghost will ask you, feel where? No space. Your heart is full. With uncleanness. And you are saying, feel me. Before you pray, feel me, you must first pray, empty me. Lord, empty me. Some of us, all those prayers we pray, they are jargons, useless prayers, prayers that are not answered. When you say, "fill me, you must be filled. The Holy Ghost is a living entity. In the heart of apostles, chapter four, when they cried to God to fill them, immediately the place shook and then they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Why are we crying every day and nothing is shaking? Neither are we being filled. Have you ever asked yourself, why do I pray, God fill me? We even fast. Say, God fill me, and we still remain the same. It's because there's no space to fill. You only feel an empty vessel. Filth, uncleanness has occupied the space. Moses, I can talk to you, but I won't until you remove your sandals. Moses, I can spell out your assignment to you, but I will not do it until you remove your sandals. Once you come to the holy place, your sandals must be removed. Get rid of the field. Some of you, you are still hanging on with your boyfriend your girlfriend. You are still hanging on with your or whatever, with that bad character. You are still there. And you are hoping that the Lord will use you. Now there's a scripture I want us to read in Isaiah chapter 59 verse 52. Sorry, Isaiah 52 verse 11. Isaiah 52 verse 11. But before, okay, let's look at that. Isaiah 52 verse 11. Now the Bible says, Depart he, Depart he, go he out from thence. Touch not on Clinton. Go ye out of the midst of her. Be he clean. That do what. That bear the vessels of the Lord. You bear the vessels of the Lord. You want God to use you in His house. You are bearing the vessel of the Lord. Anybody serving the house of God is bearing the vessel of the Lord. How dare you? Come and hold microphone when you are unclean. How dare you? How dare you serve in a committee? How dare you serve in the, in the lost house when you are living an unclean life? How dare you? You bear the vessel of the Lord. You pray drums in the church. You pray conquer in the church. How dare you? dare you? You lead a group and you are hiding in uncleanness and you want God to use you. How dare you that? He that bear the vessel of the Lord depart he depart he go he out go he out from there touch not unclean thing go out of the midst of hell be he clean that that bear the vessel of the Lord. Under the old covenant, there are levels of sacrifices you must make to clean yourself in order to hold something that is holy in the temple. Look at David in the ark. Uzzah just touched the ark. He died immediately. You can't touch it if you are not clean. You understand why God was telling Moses the place you are is holy. Where you have come to. All your journey to this point was ordinary. So I winked at. I overlooked. But where you have come to now there is a price to pay. You have to remove your sandals. You can't wear these sandals anymore. You can't bring in the filth into this house. When you go to a house and you see an inscription written on the door, leave your sanders out. All that they are telling you is to lift the filth out. Don't bring the filth in. Some of us, we don't even know what we've got into. We have traveled through life. We don't even know where we are now in destiny. Some of you have come to the mountain of the Lord and you are at Hebron, right at the holy place. You are still wearing your sandals. Now 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17. This was an Old Testament in Isaiah. Now we look at 2 Corinthians. He said, Wherefore, come out from among them Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So you cannot be touching unclean things. You are fellowshipping with uh, fetish people. You are eating with them, and you are still praying. You are uh, in the church. You are still leading prayer warriors meeting, and you are still singing and leading worship. What fellowship has the temple of God and the temple of Belial? Touch not on Clinton. You bear the vessel of the Lord. Touch not on Clinton. You do something in the church. You are a child of God. Touch not on Clinton. He that bear the vessel of the Lord. You cannot just do it you can't do it everybody can do it but you cannot do it because of where you have gotten to you are on the holy hills of God and once you are there your sandals must be removed now so you cannot fellowship with idolaters if God has called you to bear his vessels. That's the first thing. Number two, what are the unclean things that the Bible says we should not touch? Evil communication is an unclean thing. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, we look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Look what the Bible says. It said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Oh, if you bear the vessel of the Lord, you cannot allow filth to escape from your mouth. You bear the vessel of the Lord. On Clinton, corrupt communication. Unbelievers are saying some things. You two are saying the same thing. The gistings in the world, the mockeries in the world, the eh, the nicknames in the world the loose talks in the world. You bear the vessel of the Lord and you have joined them in that jamboree. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. So the, the second thing that makes us unclean is our communication. So the Bible says let no Corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Any word that comes out from the mouth of the believer must be where is that salt? Where is that minister's grace? Grace is the salt that seasons your conversation. Grace is the salt that seasons your conversation. When you are talking as a believer, your words must be gracious. Evil communication is corruption that makes you unclean. If you bear the vessel of the Lord, it's not everything that must escape from your mouth. You must set a watch over your mouth. Now, there's another scripture I want us to read. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you here with me? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. 1 Corinthians 15, It's all about communication. Be not deceived. Evil communications do what corrupts good manners. So what do I do when you visit me, an old friend, a colleague, and then you want to engage me in an evil communication? I say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please, I cannot go there. I can't talk about this. Please, let's put a stop to it. I can't. So why? Because I bear the vessel of the Lord. I bear the vessel of the Lord. The Lord is using me. So I cannot communicate. I cannot be unclean. Evil communication corrupts good manners. The things you allow your mouth to speak corrupt you. Amen. The things you say from your mouth corrupt you. So you entertain gossipers. Can you imagine that? You bear the verses of the Lord and somebody comes and is talking against authority. And you're entertaining him. Spiritual authority. You are being corrupted. Your manners are being corrupted. So when the Bible says that touch not the unclean thing, it's also talking about guard your tongue. And make sure evil communication does not proceed out of your mouth. Hallelujah. There is a highway in the spirit realm that the unclean cannot walk. There's a realm in the spirit we call it the highway, it is only for the clean. Huh? There's a realm in the spirit that you can't walk. You can't walk in that realm of signs and wonders and miracles. You can't walk in the supernatural if you are corrupt. If you corrupted yourself, if you are unclean, there's a dimension of the supernatural you cannot experience. It's a holy ground. And with the sandals, you can't stand there. The unclean shall not walk there. So in Isaiah 35, Verse 8. Look at what the Bible says. It says. There is a highway. There is a highway. Everyone say there is a highway. Say it again. Say it again. He said, and a an highway shall be there. A highway shall be there. A way. And a way. And it shall be called a highway. The way of what? The way of what? Holiness. And the unclean shall not pass over it. And this is not a physical way. It's a spiritual realm. A realm in the spirit. A dimension in the supernatural. Hmm. You can make noise. It is not the noise that breaks the yoke. You can have gifts. It is not the gift that breaks the yoke. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke. And the anointing operates with holiness. Because anointing is a realm of holiness. The unclean shall not walk there. If the church will set themselves apart, if the people of the church, if the youth will set ourselves apart, the world will fear us. I read a story about a, a military officer, a young military officer who was recruited into the army and he was so spiritual, so spiritual to the extent that when they wanted him to do the wrong things, he doesn't want to do it. He looked so odd among them and so one of his superiors decided to mock him and mock his God everything god 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 so do you know what they told him to do they want they told him they wanted to mock him they said you say your god can do everything okay so they pointed a car to him he didn't even know that the car doesn't even have an engine and they wanted him to they gave him a key to go and move the car i don't know if you have read that you've read that And he didn't know that there was no engine in the car. But he believed that God, his God can do everything. And they wanted to mock at him that it's not everything that his God can do. He went and sat in the car, moved the car, and the car started. The car without an engine. How did he start? And he moved the car. He said he didn't know. He didn't know the car have no engine. this world is here to see the supernatural. No, the Bible says the whole world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. But the sons, that realm, that is a realm. And the unclean shall not go, the, the unclean shall not pass over it. The unclean shall not be there. It's a realm that is coming. The realm of power, signs, miracles, wonders. The realm of the prophetic revelations. The unclean shall not pass over it. That's why God was telling Moses, remove your shoe before we, cont- we continue this discussion. It's a holy ground. What I'm going to do, you have gotten to the holy ground. Remove your shoe. How many of you want God to use you in these last days? Can I see your hands? You want God to use you? You must come to Hebron. And when you get to Hebron, the very presence of God, remove your sandals. So he said, the, the unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those. You see now, that rem shall be for those the wayfaring men, though fools shall not air the rain. They are fools, but the world will call them fools, but they will not err. It's a realm of holiness. So it's going to be a combination of holiness, the anointing, the fuel of the anointing is going to be holiness. It's holiness that will fuel the end time anointing. So, where are you standing? Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3 verse 8 those things that I value much he said yea doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my lord I count them lost that's a price to pay sometimes some things that are dear to you certain characters We cherish them. Even certain friends, friendship, relationship. You must be willing to count them as loss. To move to the next level of the supernatural. If not so, (laughs) because what the Lord is showing me the next move of God that is coming is not going to be spearheaded by t- great titles they are going to be the lost Militia Militia how many of you know the Militia the Militia are not former trained soldiers they are not professionals but they are dangerous God is not going to use people without titles Anointing will just fall upon them. Stretch off your hands and a dead man will just wake up from the hospital bed. For the first time, people will see the wonders of God. But the Bible says here, there is a price to pay. Apostle Paul said, I count all these things but loss." For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dog, that I may win Christ. Because I want to win Christ, I count them as toilets, dog, as a cow, a droppings of cow. How many of you can collect a droppings of cows into a bedroom? Very disgusting, isn't it? You know, attempt, will you attempt it? Into your bedroom. Maybe at, at worst you collect into your farm, but not your bedroom. That is how much Apostle Paul counted the, the things he lost, the things that he loved most. He counted them as, as that. So that he be with Christ. Adienna esumi bono mi bu wonse o moye a Janine. mi bu mi mi bo ni nyina se ejanan adi bia nan kan esu adi nan mi ye nam me ni di hu akono dia esu mi bo no enam se mi pesa mi Christ kristo mi bo se ejen ejanan until you come to that stage your standpoint. Will affect your viewpoint. Finally, let's look at the last scripture. Then I'll give you another one. But you go home and read that one. Ezekiel, Zach- uh, Zachariah chapter three, verse one to verse seven. Zachariah chapter three, one to seven now look at what the bible says now this is a story about a high priest by the name joshua and the bible says and he showed me joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the lord so you see the word standing in these last days where you are standing will determine what you experience there are two parts in life the path of the wicked and the path of the righteous So, your path in life will determine your destination. Your destination to the anointing must come through the path of righteousness. Now, look at Bible say, and he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. Why would Satan try to resist him? When you open up a door, into your life. You invite the devil in. A high priest a high priest must carry some great anointing. Why is Satan bold enough to resist him? Because the high priest has opened up a certain door into his life. Now look at the Bible says even the Lord that had chosen Jerusalem No, the Lord rebuked thee. And the Lord said unto Satan, the Lord rebuked thee. Oh, Satan. Even the Lord that had chosen Jerusalem rebuked thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. So why why was Satan bold? When you are living in sin, you emboldened the devil. When you live in sin, you embolden the devil to confront you. When you live in sin. There are many Christians who are going through different kinds of attack. How dare him, Satan, attacking God's temple, the child of God. How dare you? But Satan is able to attack us because we have emboldened him. By our way of life. A lady you have not married. You are sleeping with a lady. And then you come to church. I bind you. I bind you. Why are you binding? Are you binding yourself? And we are treating the devil as if it's a toy or a cartoon. Yeah. You think the devil is a cartoon? Huh? Yeah. You don't know. May God open your eyes one day to say, the day I came to this town, I saw the devil. I can tell you Satan is not a cartoon. It's an entity. A dangerous entity. A wicked entity. Some of you are joking. How can a child of God in the house of God, holding the vessels of God, bearing the vessels of God and messing up. A woman you have not married, you are sleeping with. And hoping that one day God will anoint you and use you. Remove the sandals for the place that you are standing is holy. So Apostle Paul so look at it. He said, then he answered and speak unto this, unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. So what attracted the devil to accuse him and to resist him, his garments? A high priest supposed to be wearing a linen, clean, white garments, but this high priest was wearing a filthy garment. That is the reason why he was he was able to attract the devil, Satan himself. Satan is attracted by filth. That's the realm. Uncleanness is the realm. And if you are living an unclean life, it's like you have brought an excreta into your home, and you say no fly should follow you. And you are angry. Where the carcass is, there the vultures will gather. If you brought the carcass into your house, you have an uninvited guest. If you are living a life of sin, demons will surround you. Your home will be a meeting ground, a breeding ground for demonic activities. So here, to take away the garment from him and unto him he said, behold, I have caused thy iniquity to pass from thee and I will clothe thee with change of remnants. What, what grace? The Lord just came into the scene and he said, look, Satan, the Lord rebuke you and said the devil ran away and then he said, take the garment, change it. Change his garment. It was the garment that attracted Satan. Change his garment. The day we change our garment, the devil will be far away from us. When you change your garment, Satan will be far away from you. So change the garment. So we change, they change the garment, and then the Lord said, "The Lord said, move it on to verse five, and and I said, let them set a fair meter upon his head. So that's Taban, okay? So they put a fair meter upon his head and clothed him with garments and the angel of the lord stood by then look at what happened and the angel of the lord protested unto Joshua saying thou seest the lord of hosts look at the condition if thou wilt walk in my ways the first condition after I have forgiven your sin, you need to vow, pledge to walk in my ways. And if you will do that, then, and number two, and if thou will keep my charge, they went to the anointing. Then look what he said, then thou shall also judge my house. Moses, before I commit my power into your hands. Remove your sandals. The same condition here. If you can fulfill that condition, then you will judge my house and shall also keep my court. Number two, second promise. And I will number three promise, I will give thee places to walk among those that stand. So there is a standing place in the spirit but it's not everybody that can be there. That's why we are looking at your standpoint. Where are you standing? There is a place that only God can bring you. And he said, there are other people who are already standing. They said, I will give thee places to walk among these. Among this. So there are people who are already there. There are people already there. They are working in that realm already. But he said, if you will fulfill those conditions, I will also bring you there. And then you will be among them. I tell you, there are people already working in the anointing. There are people already working there. But if you will, number one, you will walk in my ways. Number two, if you will keep my charge. Then. I will make you number one. I will make you a judge of my house. And I will also cause you to keep my courts. And I will give thee a place to walk among those who are standing. How many of you want to walk among those who are standing? Let me see your hand. Are you sure? It's a place of power. It's a place of anointing. It's a place of glory. It's a place of signs and wonders and miracles. It's a place of the manifestation of the sons of God in this end time. What is your standpoint? It will determine your viewpoints. In life, those who are standing here they see things different. They don't see impossibilities because they are working a certain realm of the supernatural, beyond the natural. So natural things does not intimidate them. But there is a place God must bring you there after certain conditions has been fulfilled. Amen. Put your hands together for the Lord Jesus now two questions yes so take the microphone quickly give him a microphone uh no capacity
2: yes um that is for me i have almost like four questions
1: so ask two
2: (laughs) okay um so my first question is what is the detailed meaning of cleanliness according to the Bible?
1: What is the detailed meaning of cleanliness according to the Bible? Okay, the detailed meaning of cleanliness is sanctification, being set apart. Second Timothy chapter 2, from verse 19 to 22. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knows them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Continue. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore perd himself from this, shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctify, and meet for the master's use, and prepare for every good work. Are you satisfied with the first answer? Okay, let's move to the second answer.
2: So, my my second question is, does a believer has any other separate life, apart from being spiritual?
1: Does A believer
2: Uh has any separate life apart from being spiritual
1: does the believer has any separate life apart from from being spiritual what life the fruit of the spirit the fruit of the spirit you can't tell me you are spiritual without the evidence of the fruits any other life the fruit of the spirit your levels of maturity as a believer is not determined by your gifts that you manifest is determined by the fruit you bear the leaves of the tree does not determine its maturity it is the fruit that determines that the tree is mature So, fruitfulness, fruitful living, the fruit of the spirit, is the determining factor of maturity. Christian maturity. Those who are mature, they don't make noise. They manifest the fruits as their evidence of maturity. So, you go about telling me you are spiritual. What is the evidence? I want to see the fruits. are all controversies will cease. It's a food that silences everything. Okay, I don't know if you ask questions so that we we'll know if we, we have to allow him to go. If you have a question. Oh, you don't have a question. Okay, so ask your, the, the rest of the questions. Are you okay, satisfied so with the answer number two? Yes.
2: Okay. So, uh, my third question is Is it achievable for a believer to live without sin after you receive Christ as you love your Lord and personal Savior?
1: That's a good question. When you read the Bible in the book of 1 John, the Bible tells us that he that is born of God does not continue in sin. Do you know what it means? It means that sin does not rule over him. So it does not mean you may not be tempted. It does not even mean you may not sin it means that you do not yield continually to sin. When does somebody sin? Temptation is not sin. When does temptation become sin? Temptation becomes sin when you yield to it. Jesus was tempted in all ways. And he didn't sin. That's what the Bible told us. Why? Because he didn't yield to it. So everybody will be tempted the same way. The difference is that some will yield. The others will not. And the ones who yield to sin are the, are the ones the Bible calls sinners. A sinner. Have you got the answer clear? Okay, the last one.
2: Can, can God make you sin to get your attention? Hello? Can God make you sin to get your attention?
1: God does not suffer anybody to sin, according to James. He does not even tempt anybody to sin. God tests you. He doesn't tempt you. And when we are saying test, you write test for promotion. The devil tempts you for destruction. So God tests you. When you read the scripture and you come across and God tempted Abraham that was the wrong translation because they were taking God tests Abraham because James the book of James tells us that God tempts nobody God does not tempt anybody God is not a tempter but he tests the righteous so, God hasn't meant to test you to sin. It's the devil who tempts you to sin. When God tests you, it's because he has promotion in mind. And you fail, you are repeated. But the devil tempts you so that you become a hypocrite. He wants people to see that you are hypocrites. He wants God to see that, after all, you are hypocrites. At the end, he will destroy you. And that is the reason why we are not supposed to yield. Now, before you became born again, Satan was your lord. Before he was your lord, when he gave a command, you can't say no. No servant can challenge his master. When we became born again, Jesus becomes our lord, so Satan cannot command us anymore. So what does he do? He suggests to us. And as somebody suggests to you, you have a choice to accept it or not. There's a difference between command. And suggestion. So now Satan's position in our life is that he suggests sin. And now you have the choice to either decide to yield or not. But the Holy Ghost commands us. That's why you always write, you read my commandments. If you obey my commandments, if you obey my commandment, you obey my my commandments. His instructions are his commandments. And the reason why he commands us because he is our Lord now. The devil has no right to command a believer to sin. So when a believer says, it is not me oh, it is the devil. It is a total lie. Satan cannot command you to sin. He suggests you to sin. So when you sin, you choose to sin. It's a choice. Amen. Put your hands together for the Lord Jesus. Let's receive Pastor
0: Tony. Oh, hallelujah. Please, let's rise to our feet. or you can put your hands together. Let's celebrate the grace in the house. Put your hands together. Let's celebrate. How many of us have been blessed tonight? Within just one minute, I want us to do this. We are praying that, Lord, grant me the grace to stand at that place you want me to be. Grant me the grace to stand at that holy place you want me to be so that I can fulfill my assignment, so that I can be that man you want me to be. Lift up your voice within some few seconds. Just lift up your voice and pray this prayer. Lord, help me stand at that place. Grant me the grace to stand there. The ability to live right and do what is right in order to be that man you want me to be. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. (laughs) Ya tara da ba, saba ba. Ika para kadika pa. Yeah, tara da ba, saba ba ba, da ba. Yeah, tata, ba. ba, da ba ba, ba ba. ba. ba ba, da ba, la ba ba, da ba we will live right we will live right we will not abort our destinies premature. we will walk on that path that highway of holiness we ba Ya ba ba Ta the ba of ba in the.